fitting. It's wonderful that everybody's here. I know Brother Chester said that people were, uh, were traveling throughout the holidays. Unfortunately, they're still traveling. I told my wife, we came back from our vacation in October, end of October, and then everybody else went on vacation. And then everybody, then the flu season hit, and then the holidays hit. So I don't feel like I preached to the whole church since August. So I'm looking forward to in the next week or two, once the flu gets out of here and the holidays are gone, I can't wait to see everybody in the same place at the same time again. But for those of you who are here, congratulations. You made it to the new year. It's 2020, and a lot of preachers are standing in pulpits across America right now preaching about 2020 vision. Yeah, some of you, you're going to be at home later eating lunch, and also you're going to start to laugh, and you're going to get that. But truthfully, we need clear vision to face tomorrow. Notice, I did not say to face the next decade. Notice, I did not say to face the next year. I didn't even say to face the next few weeks. Our success in every part of life has to do with our vision of our next step. The next step. The next moment, the very next day, unfortunately, there's a lot of people in our circles of influence that are living very hollow lives right now. You know that? They are aimlessly wandering through life, void of purpose. And this is not the way God called us to live. Matter of fact, I read a book that's inspired this series, so I like to give credit where credit is due. There's a United Pentecostal Church uh, minister named Eugene, Dr. Eugene Wilson, wrote a book entitled Rodentivity. Rodentivity, I know, that's a strange word. That's rodent and then ivity. Look it up, read the book, it's a great book. But this series is being preached because I'm addressing really a spiritual element but many of the principles I'll be discussing, they will actually impact our lives professionally, physically, relationally, and mentally. It's not just spiritual. And so we launched this sermon series entitled, What is My Purpose? What's my purpose? I don't know if you've ever asked that or maybe somebody's asked that to you. But week one of this three-week series is entitled, Identifying Purpose. Would you pray with me? Lord, we love you, God, and we're so grateful and thankful to be in this place uh, God, I know there's a lot of people tuning in online right now, and there are people traveling, people sick. You just, just touch every person, Lord God. And, and the people who have made it here, let us just respond to your word in such a marvelous way that as I speak, that you would actually be the one speaking through me so that you can accomplish what you want, not me, just what I want, Lord, because you have a supernatural plan, and we want to align with that plan. In your name we pray. Amen. God intended for us to live a purpose-driven life. The hunger and desire within people to discover purpose is actually seen in a book. Anybody ever read the book, The Purpose-Driven Life? Wow, that's shocking. Anybody hear of the book, The Purpose-Driven Life? All right, there we go. Okay, so that was written by a pastor in California named Rick Warren. Now, I do not align with everything with Rick Warren theologically. I don't. But I will admit that he struck a nerve with all of humanity, not just Americans. He wrote this book, The Purpose Driven Life, published in 2002, and it simultaneously hit number one on four major charts, the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, USA Today, and Publishers Weekly. 
Now, within 10 years, it had sold 32 million copies worldwide. It's been translated into more than 50 languages. Today, it's the best-selling hardcover nonfiction book in history. It's the second most translated book after the Bible. What does that speak? That speaks to the fact people are looking for purpose. And so he was on to something. They're looking for purpose, not just in America. People globally are looking for purpose. They want to know, why was I created? Why do I exist? What am I called to do? How can I make a difference? And unfortunately, despite the popularity of the purpose-driven life, most people are not pursuing what is the best life for them. Instead, many people are investing time, effort, and energy into just doing good things. Now, you might say, whoa, why? That sounds great. I think we should all aim to do good things. Isn't that a great thing? We should aim to do good things. But, but Eugene Wilson, in his book, he makes the argument that there's a profound difference between doing good things and doing what is best. If we're aiming to find our purpose in 2020, I don't want to just do good things. I want to do what I was called to do. I want to accomplish the purpose that God has for my life in this year. And so, you see, we all desire significance. We, we, all, we all want to feel needed, loved by someone. And that's why, honestly, parents sometimes struggle with their when their last child leaves home. It's not just... I miss that, that child, but it's like, hey, I, 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 I like to feel needed. And I think fathers and mothers both experiences, probably mothers more to an extent as a nurturer and a, and a caregiver that I, I, they like to feel needed. And pastors, church leaders struggle sometimes to retire or to step away from a, uh, uh, some, in some area that they've been serving for many years. Why? Well, because... I've felt needed, and I felt that there's been value in my life, and maybe I've given value to someone else, and athletes retire, and they, and you see, read about athletes, they retire, and then they come back, and then they retire, and they come back, and they take forever deciding, and sometimes they play past their prime. That may have recently happened, but athletes retire and come back. Why? Because they want the stadiums cheering for them, running out of the tunnel, and people chanting their name. That's exhilarating. Not that I know, but I could imagine. People struggle when their value is determined solely by the others, the way others view them. And so you have to be careful to guard because really my value does not come because I'm serving as your pastor. Really, a value of a quarterback is it's to, to the people of America that 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 fame is short-lived. The value really, if, if the, your only value is how far you can throw a football or how accurate you can throw a football, you're going to find a lot of emptiness through the rest of your life. And so we're, we're all busy, but being busy is not the same as being purpose-driven. We're going to touch on busyness next week, but a life of significance is aligned with a life of purpose. Let's not talk about generalities, though. Let's not talk about those people or society or those professional athletes or football players. Let's talk about us. Let's speak directly to ourselves. What is your purpose? 
Why are you on this earth, in this church, in this community, working on your job? Why are you in the, the spot that you are in today? What is your purpose? I'm not asking what's your plans for the upcoming week. I'm not asking what your schedule currently looks like because you could pull out your planner and say, well, my purpose is this. Maybe you're like, I don't even use a planner. My purpose is wherever my world takes me each day. <laughs> There's all different types. My life is structured. I have planned out. I could tell you what my, my, my week looks like this week. But I'm not talking about just what's your calendar say, what's your plan for the week, but what is your purpose? Why do you exist today? Can you articulate that? Do you awaken each day with excitement? Maybe you say, I wish I awakened each day with excitement. Well, if you're not, then why not? Well, because I work this job and I punch a time clock nine to five, my boss is a jerk and they work me overtime and I'm salary and I don't get paid for it. And I don't even like the job to begin with. And okay, then why are you doing what you're doing? Well, because there's nothing else to do. Says who? Says who? This is, in my humble opinion, the greatest place to live on the face of the earth. And I don't say that with arrogance. I say that with a thankful heart that we are in a beautiful country with wonderful opportunity. And so are you moving forward? Are you making progress achieving your dreams? Or are you saying, man, one day I'd love to do this. I'd love to do that. I wish I could do that. Someday I'd love to do that. Man, you're lucky. What are you doing to achieve dreams? Are you growing with God both in knowledge and relationship, because that's two different things. I remember when I was getting my master's degree, and I was, I was, my, my mind was getting blown, and I was getting so much into to knowledge and study, and, and, I, and I felt God in my prayer time say, yeah, but now you got to be careful because you're learning so much about me. Don't forget to spend time with me. I don't want to just... Know all, grow in my knowledge about God. I want to deepen my relationship with God. If you're actively engaged in your purpose, you know it shows in your conversation. Just be quiet and still and listen to a group of people. Listen to them talk about things. Just enter into a conversation and just listen. And as people converse... And as you look at their social media posts, you will find what's in their heart. Maybe that's why the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I always say if you're posting on social media a lot, look back over the last 25 posts and see what the theme is. Because what happens is when you look at things, don't just, don't just say that's interesting and not do anything about it. Do something with what I'm saying today. Look at the checkbook register. Look at your Facebook post, your social media post. Hear some of the things that are coming out of your mouth and go, okay, so what, prior, what, are, what are my priorities? What is it that consumes my thinking? What is it that I hold near and dear? You can learn a lot just by listening and watching. People will let you know what's most important in their life. And we all do the same as we, we let others know what's important in our own life. If we're actively engaged in our purpose, it will begin to show in every part of our life.
You can't help but talk about it. It excites you. You want to share it with others. It causes you to get up early and stay up late. Some of you going, uh, hey, uh, brother, I just want to intervene right now. Ain't nothing caused me to get up early. But yes, even those of you that like to stay into the midnight hour and wake up at 11 in the morning, there are things that if you are passionate about it, it will cause you to rise up early and say, Yes, I want to get started. I want to begin to make a dent in, in what my passion, my purpose is for this day. It drives you. It motivates you. It energizes you. Alignment with your purpose, it, 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 it influences your decisions. Decisions about your schedule. Decisions about your prayer time. Decisions about your finances. Decisions about career. Decisions about relationships. It's funny because we could talk to someone and say, oh, my goodness. I can't believe that that person spent that much on a car. And then they go purchase season tickets to a, a sports team. And the next person goes, I can't believe they purchased season tickets to a sports team. And they're the ones that just bought three new guns. And the person next to him says, I can't believe that person just bought three new guns. And then that person goes and buys a Gucci and Prada handbag. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I'm saying that priorities, they manifest themselves in different ways. And so we have to look and say, what are my priorities? What do I what, what's my purpose in life? What's my purpose for my day? Why do I exist? What do I want to do with this day? You see, Solomon wrote some interesting words at one point. In Ecclesiastes, he's supposed to be the smartest, wisest guy that really is. Ecclesiastes 2.12, he says, So I decided to compare wisdom with foolishness and madness, for who can do this better than I, the king? I thought wisdom is better than foolishness, just as light is better than darkness. For the wise can see where they're going, but fools walk in the dark. Yet I saw the wise and the foolish share the, share the same fate. Both will die. So I said to myself, since I will end up the same as the fool, what's the value of all my wisdom? This is also meaningless. For the wise and foolish both die. The wise will not be remembered any longer than the fool. In the days to come, both will be forgotten. So I came to hate life because everything done here under the sun is so troubling. Everything is meaningless. It's like chasing the wind. How would you like that for your leader? Boy, that's vision. I'd like to work for that guy. I mean, imagine your staff meeting tomorrow morning. Come on in, sit down. You know what? I started thinking about it. I'm, I'm wise. You're all trying to be wise. There's, there's no purpose to being wise. We're all fools, and nobody's going to remember us anyway. This is all meaningless. Now go work. You'd be sitting there. And if you had any vision at all, you'd start a resume, sir. You'd start sending out resumes that afternoon. Because I wouldn't want to work for that. It's all meaningless. You see, these were words written by a despondent and disheartened king who had given himself to the pursuit of earthly things. Things that held little value in comparison 
to his ultimate purpose. Solomon, in all his wisdom, didn't make wise decisions. Solomon had gotten away from his purpose, and he was miserable. You want to ensure misery in your life? Live outside of your purpose. Well, I do a bunch of good things. You can do a bunch of good things and still be miserable if you're not living inside your purpose. Yeah, but we're all supposed to do good things. But I don't want to just do good things. I want to do what God's will is for my life. I want my life to align with his purpose. You know what humanity tends to do, though? We pray this prayer. We say, God, here's my plans for 2020. Here's my plans for this next week. Here's my plans for tomorrow. Here's my plans for today. Please bless all my plans, Jesus' name. And then pastor preaches about prayer. We're like, I prayed. I prayed yesterday. I prayed God would bless my day, bless my week, bless my month, bless my year. And that God would bless my family, bless my job, bless my car that I bought, bless the guns that I bought, bless the Gucci and Prada bag that I bought, bless all these things that I bought. And I prayed, and I talked to God, so I think I got God's blessing in my life. It's going to be a blessed day and a blessed life. And I kind of touched on the New Year's Eve. What happens if all the decisions we're making are not led by the Spirit? What if, what if God didn't? I'm not saying this stuff is sin, believe me. You know, you got the money and you have your priorities straight. You want to buy a Gucci Prada bag? Cool, cool, maybe. That's great, whatever. But what if it wasn't God's will for me to get three guns or Gucci Prada bag and new car? I mean, what, what if I wasn't being led by His Spirit? What if I'm living life begging for Him to lead what I'm doing? And he's going, well, I would love a say in what you're doing. I would love to have, offer some direction to what you're doing. And so we live our life praying for his blessing, but not aligned with our purpose. And that causes misery. That causes emptiness because then we say, well, I feel like I need to do better. I feel like I need to do this. And, and so then people will say, okay, well, I'll, I'll cook for the VIP breakfast. I'll clean the church. I'll make sure that I give more. I'll make sure I sit and maybe, maybe, maybe oh, I was sitting in that back. I'm going to move toward the front. Maybe that'll make me feel better. And, and, you know, and so we do all these different things that try to make us feel better, but we still feel emptiness or, or discouragement because we're still not aligning with purpose. so people are looking for that globally millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of people are buying a book on living life with purpose because it doesn't matter if you're in Africa Asia Americas it doesn't matter North America it doesn't matter people are going I want to live with purpose I want to live with purpose and so Solomon by his own admission, had absorbed himself in things that ultimately did not matter. Look what he says just before, right before the despondent words that we just read. Look what Solomon says in verse 1 of Ecclesiastes 2. He says, I said to myself, come on, let's try pleasure. Boy, do you know that Jesus says one of the signs of the end times is that people will be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And now, to me, that, that's in the world, and you're like, hey, let's be aware of it. 
My greater concern is when the church starts to love pleasure more than it loves God. Like, it's one thing to say, man, this world loves pleasure more than loves God. We need to go reach this world. God's called us to be a shining light. But when the church loves pleasure more than lo we love God, that, that's a real concern. And so how do we fix that? We can't fix that. It's only up to you to examine your heart and say, what are my priorities? Where am I at? And he says, he says I want, let's try pleasure. Let's look for the good things in life. But I found that this, too, was meaningless. So I said, laughter is silly. What, what good does it do to seek pleasure? After much thought, I decided to cheer myself with wine. When people can't find something, where do they go? They go to substances. This is written thousands of years ago, but isn't he the same one that said there's nothing new under the sun? Things don't change. They don't change, and so just like in Solomon's day, just like Noah, just like today in the 21st century, 2020, I'm empty, I'm void of purpose, I'm, I'm feeling discouraged, I'm disenchanted, I, what do I need to do? So I'm going to turn to... To wine, I'm going to turn to substances. And while still seeking wisdom, I clutched at foolishness. So he identifies that as foolish. In this way, I tried to experience the only happiness most people find during their brief life in this world. I also tried to find meaning by building huge homes for myself and planting beautiful vineyards. Wow, I mean, what is he describing us? So substances couldn't do it. And joy and happiness, I tried to laugh. And, but now I'm just going to build a bigger home. I'm going to have more stuff. I made gardens and parks and filling them with all kinds of trees. This guy didn't just like buy the corner lot. I mean, like he bought a whole park. I built reservoirs to collect the water to irrigate my, my many flourishing groves. I mean, this guy had the greatest sprinkler system in humanity. You know, I got some water lines running in my yard at my house. This guy was like, I'm going to build an aqueduct and just water the whole park. I bought slaves, both men and women. Others were born into my household. I owned large herds and flocks more than any other king who lived in Jerusalem before me. Wow, he was famous. Everybody knew. People came from all over the world to meet Solomon. Got to meet Solomon. There's a line to meet Solomon. He's famous. He's, oh, look at the fortune. My goodness. People came from all over. I was the richest king, the wisest king. There are not a lot of kings in the Middle Eastern desert that have aqueducts to water their parks. I collected great sums of silver and gold, the treasure of many kings and provinces. I hired wonderful singers, both men and women, had many beautiful concubines. There, I had everything a man could have desired. You read that, okay? The guy was rich. He had a, lived in a park. He had the biggest... A watering system in the world. He's got gold and treasure. He's got private singers putting on concerts for him and his family. He's got one, not one woman. He's got a whole bunch of women. And they're all beautiful. I mean, like, if, if, if we just went out into the, into the streets and said, hey, who wants silver and gold, a massive house, and a ton of beautiful women? You'd have a lot of guys that'd be like, yeah, man, where do I sign up? He says, I had it all. 
So I became greater than all who lived in Jerusalem before me. My wisdom never failed me. Anything I wanted, I would take. That attitude never gets you into good places. Look at Samson. He comes along. He's, a, he's the strongest. Solomon, he's the smartest. Samson, he's the strongest. What was his attitude? He says, Mom, Dad, yeah, there's a lady over there. Go get her for me. Samson, she doesn't serve Yahweh. God, she's not a Jehovah, so she doesn't serve God. Go get her. I want her. Go get her for me. That was his attitude. He literally says, go fetch her for me in King James. Because we, we get so entitled and so used to living this, this earth that we look around and I, I want that. I want that. I want that. I want that. I want I want, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. It's all that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. It's not just sin. That's just our human desires that we have to keep in check and be aware of. Anything I wanted, I'd take. I denied myself no pleasure. You want to you know why we do quarterly fasts in this church? It's very spiritual. When's the last time you said no to your flesh? When's the last time you said no to your flesh? I'm hungry. Shut up. You're not eating today. But I want this. I want to go buy that. I want to go do this. I want to go that. You know, it's healthy. Sometimes I have to say no to my children, even though I want to say yes, because I know they haven't heard no in a while. I knew you weren't going to say amen. <laughs> because a healthy no is, is good. And so when I fast, on a, on a, I, I would encourage every believer at least one day a week to fast. Because on a weekly basis, you are reminding your flesh, you're not in control. You're not in charge. I am. And I'm submitted to the Holy Spirit of God. And I'm not going to just give you everything you want. And that causes problems because we don't really like to deny ourselves. But yet Christ says, if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself. Take up your cross. Again, we talked about that recently here. He says, anything I want, I, I deny myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work. Oh, there's another thing. Sometimes when you're looking for fulfillment, what do you do? You don't just turn to sin. I pour myself into my job. Because I get fulfillment from my job, from my position. Solomon says, I tried that. That didn't work either. reward for my labor. But I looked at, in verse 11, I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish and it was all so meaningless. Are you kidding me? The guy who had beautiful women, lived in a park, an irrigation system, wise, never said no to himself, got all the pleasure in the world, had riches, he, he had, there is nothing on the face of this earth that he lacked. There's nothing, not one part of his life. He had everything, everything. And he says, I look back, and it was all meaningless. What? Like chasing the wind. You do that long, and I mean, imagine going down to the plaza to shop. And you see somebody going like this. You'd be like, honey, come on, let's go over here. Come on. 
but that's how we look spiritually. And we start saying, I want, I want, no, I want, I want more, more. I, I want to be happy. I want to be fulfilled. Maybe I just need to work harder, buy more. I need to, I need to do good things. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. Wow. Sounds like a portrait of the rich and famous right here in the 21st century. We see so many famous people living this way. In spite of having it all, there was emptiness, lack of purpose. In his quest for pleasure and things, we do not read anywhere in Solomon's account about his relationship with God. We don't read anywhere in his account about his pursuit of God's power. We don't read about his study of the law and the Torah and the word. We don't read about his loving wife, his beautiful children, a life of ministry unto the people. We just read a whole list about the accumulation of a lot of stuff with myself at the center. Listen, I don't want to live my life accumulating stuff you know to the new testament let me tear down barns and build bigger ones to accumulate all the stuff that's mine i don't want to just tell myself i want more i want more i want more i need to do more i need to work harder i need to get grow i need to i need to do this and make this and buy this and and do all this stuff and then look back and go um you know what i've been chasing the wind for several years and it's all meaningless because you can have it all and not have anything. Again, am I saying it's a sin to be rich? It's a sin to drive a nice car. It's a sin to live in a park with an aqueduct. Man, more power to you. Go and do it. But just make sure that life isn't meaningless. Make sure that my heart and all this stuff is still turned toward God. I still know that he's my, pro my provider, my creator, my best friend. I don't want to live outside my purpose and just accumulate stuff. Solomon realizes it was all just a waste, even though he's the wisest man to ever live. He wasn't aligned with his purpose. Listen, I want to be like Christ. He was aligned with purpose. He focused on what he was aiming to do, and not just for one that, that particular society, but Humanity in general, think about it. Jesus was constantly surrounded with multiple opportunities to do good deeds, to meet urgent requests. Could you imagine being Jesus walking into, people are literally shouting your name and, you know, we all think it'd be amazing to be an athlete. Oh, I'd be so incredible to be able to go and just be famous and have riches and that's incredible. Could you imagine, I mean, like, Patrick Mahomes, that, you can't just hide that hair. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's a unique-looking guy. He can't just go over here to McDonald's tomorrow morning and say, I'll have an Egg McMuffin and an order of hash browns. People are like, oh, oh, Patrick Mahomes, could I get my daughter, my son to get your autograph? I mean, like, imagine living that life every day. No, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. I mean, we think, yeah, that'd be cool. I just want to walk in the house and have my wife and kids do that to me, you know. <laughs> oh, he's home! I'm like, come on, Jackie. She don't do it yet, but we're working on it. 
But imagine that, you know, it's just, that's, living that type of life. Jesus was a superstar before there were superstars. I mean, like, he walks in and people are just shouting. I mean, like, people pressing through the crowd to touch the hem of his garment. It's a, yeah. Yet all those urgent needs, those things didn't drive him. Jesus' pursuit of his purpose often caused confusion among those closest to him, his disciples. They could not understand why Jesus wasn't moved to accomplish good deeds and meet all the urgent needs. Mark 1.35 says, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up, went out and into an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. They're like, uh, you know, I mean, imagine that. You're sitting there as the disciples, and you're like, man, he's been praying now for an hour and a half. Like, the crowds are, are all lining up. Like, somebody go get him. Like, well, I'm not going to get him. But, you know, Philip's like, I ain't going in there. And Judas is, you know, he's over there counting money. He's like, I'm busy. Somebody says to Peter, Peter, you're the dude with the big mouth, man. Just go get him. Peter, he was like, okay. Hey, Lord. There's people, everybody's looking for you. Look at the next verse, verse 37. They found him. Hey, everybody's looking for you, Jesus. You got a crowd out here. Jesus replied, hey, I just got done with prayer, right? We must go to the other towns as well. I'm going to preach to them too. That's why I came. Uh, what? What about these people? Huh. No, I just got done praying because in order to be spirit-led, my decisions aren't based on the crowd. No, no, in prayer, I felt it's time to go to the next place. Uh, <laughs> it's time to go to the next place. I have a purpose and a time, and I need to accomplish that. He was needed. His presence was requested. But after a time of prayer, he's like, it's time to get up and move. Probably not the response the disciples expected. Probably not one they even agreed with. But it was the correct response because it was the response of a person who spent time in prayer. And so decisions were made based on prayer. If we're making daily decisions based on my, what I want to do, what my wife wants to do, what our pocketbook allows, what our time and our scheduling and our calendar allows, we're missing it. I want every day to be God. I want to be spirit-led. What is my purpose for this day? We think about purpose being like a long-term thing. Like, yeah, you know, I'm 39, but I'm 59. I would like to see this and, and this purpose. No, what's your purpose for today? What is today's purpose? You're going to wake up tomorrow, Monday morning. What is your purpose? Well, I, my purpose is to go make a paycheck from this place. I don't even want to work. And I'm sick of my boss. And I need to make a paycheck so that I can get benefits because my, my son's been sick. and blah. That's not your purpose. Why do you exist? My decisions need to reflect that I need to, we need to revolve around that. Any and one of the major purposes of Christ as church is He called every single one of us to go and make disciples. And so, if there's nobody in our life that I'm intentionally reaching toward or trying to shine light in their life and, and spend time with them, I'm not saying that you need to just go and invite 13 people between now and next Sunday. Fine, if you feel to do that, great. But it's not just about getting someone to sit on the padded pew next to you on a Sunday morning. 
Discipleship is so much more than that. It's about knowing somebody saying, I know where they're at. I want to reach to that person. I want to invest time and energy into that person. Jesus said, I chose these people. Follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. He wanted to intentionally invest in someone to make a difference in their eternal life. I want to do the same thing. If we think that our purpose, and it's in Bible talks about not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, to provoke one another to love and good works. We need to be in church. We need to be worshiping together. We need to be doing these things. But what else is your purpose? Your purpose was not, Jesus never said to the disciples, great, great service. You did a great job singing. You did a great job speaking today. And you know what? I'll see you guys next Sunday. That was not the purpose of the New Testament church. So our purpose is not to just do a list of good things, come to the house of the God when the doors are open. It's to make disciples. It's to grow with Christ. It's to be spirit-led every day of our existence. Now, am I saying there's no one in this place that's mastered this, including myself. Nobody here says, I walk in the spirit every moment of every day. Let me tell you what it looks like. No, this is something we just need to be aware of. And as 2020 hits, we need to be saying, how can I do this? God, help me to do this. Lord, I don't want to start a day without prayer where I'm saying, Lord, I'm not just saying, God, bless this day, bless the day. I feel good because I said, Lord, bless my day. And I started my day with him. No, it's about saying, God, lead me by your spirit today is Monday morning. You know what? To be honest. I don't feel like going to my job, but I know that someone in my life is hungry, they're hurting, they're broken, they're confused, and so I'm going to walk past a whole bunch of men and women that know nothing about your love. So God, I know that you are more than capable of using this vessel to impart something to someone along the way. And so Jesus, I have got to walk through this day being led by the Spirit. God, I've got to see through the lens of the Holy Ghost, so that when I walk, that I don't just say, how's it going? How's it going? How are you? Everything's good? That when someone says, hey, I haven't been doing too well, that something in me hits the emergency brake, and I put things in reverse and say, excuse me, what's wrong? You said you weren't doing well. Now, now, just tell me about that, because I, 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 I've been seeing you around. You don't seem yourself. Everything all right? And so all of a sudden, I'm going to stop in a conversation. You don't have to say, well, I'm scared to enter a conversation, because I don't know the 66 books of the Bible. Who in the world cares they don't i mean really are you going to stop and say can i just tell you something genesis exodus leviticus numbers deuteronomy joshua judges ruth first they're going to be like you're an idiot get out of my face don't ever call people an idiot kids that's that that's a sinful person that needs jesus that's okay get off your notes and this stuff happens no I don't care about that. Hey, you don't seem yourself. You all right? I'll tell you what. Do you mind if I say a quick prayer? Because I just believe that God is in your situation. He's going to do something with it. Oh, I'd rather you not. That's fine, but I'm going to write it down. And you can count on the fact. I'll be praying for you. Next time you see him, hey, I've been praying. How are things going? And if we truly believe what we say we believe, then prayer will have changed things. And they can look at you and say, I'll tell you what, it's been crazy, but God's done some stuff. I don't even know if it was God, but man, some things have changed. I'll tell you what, that is God. I've been praying for you. We got a small group starting. I'll tell you what, there's, there's people, there's a whole bunch of people that pray for you. I'd love to invite you to come. If your schedule allows, it'd be awesome. I'd love to have you as my guest. Just looking for opportunities. 
when's the last time we had a conversation with somebody? If not, we're missing one of our purposes in life. And when all you're doing is going to school, going to work, paying bills, trying to save, trying to do these things, and not doing the things that God has created us to do, you will never find. You can marry the greatest person, work the most amazing job, live in the park with the aqueducts of water, and you still are never going to be content in life. Because there's going to be something inside you that says, but I know I'm still, there's more. There's more. And that's why, who here has ever taught a Bible study? Raise your hand. Church, there's a lot of hands that need to be up by this time next year. Some of you are sitting on a grand base of knowledge and you say well no not me you have the holy spirit of god almighty inside of you go teach a bible study well i don't know where to start see me let's talk about that but those people that raise that hand you can talk to them and that's why that's one of the greatest feelings in humanity when you're teaching a bible study and you see some eyes begin to well up with tears and you see someone's life change in front of your eyes, and you were a part of God flowing through you as you showed them things in Scripture, that is powerful. And you walk away from that Bible study where nobody sees it might just be you and one other person, but you drive off in your car, and there's something in you going, I have never felt so fulfilled in all of my life. I just did something that I was created to do. God just accomplished his purpose in my life over these last 45 minutes to an hour. And there's no greater feeling than that. And so as I bring this to a close, what I'm saying is we have to guard ourselves this year. Let's not talk about this year, this week. Who, what, when, where, why? Let's answer those questions. Who is God calling you to reach this week? That should be on our mind every single day. God, who? Who? There is no way that God puts you in your job, in your family, living on your block by accident. There is no chance that God has you related to those people on that block, working that job, and says, but at this time, there's just nobody that I have in your life for you to talk to. There's no way. There's no way. So who is God calling you to reach? What is God calling you to accomplish? When will you be spending time with him each day? Where do you plan to invest in the things that matter most? And why do you exist why don't you stand to your feet today? One day, one day, we will all be like Solomon, at least in one way. <laughs> Some of you are like, I'm going to be rich? What? what? You're preaching that? I'm going to be wise? No. We're all going to be like Solomon in one way. 
we will one day look backward on our lives. We will one day look, be looking back over our lives. And we will look at what we have accomplished. We will count what we have accumulated. We will see the circle of people we have spent time with. And all of the fun we had and the trials we've made it through. And I just don't want to get to that point in my life and say, question that we pondered for 2020 is when you finally obtain I close with this when you finally obtain what you're reaching for right now when you finally obtain what you're reaching for right now what will you be holding in your hand reaching for right now. What will you be holding in your hand? And does that thing align with God's purpose for your life? It's something that I can't answer for you, you can't answer for me. But I think we need to find a place to pray for the first altar call of 2020. And this is an examination that we need to have in our own lives and hearts right now. Would you come?